Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We are so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and sitting across from me, back fresh from L.A., Los Angeles, Rose Bowl, we have Mr. Mike Sutherland. Woo! All right. You're a little, uh, little more tanner, a little more douchier. Yes. <laughs> we gotta, we're going we're gonna to use this episode to scrub the, the L.A. doucheness off of you. And uh, I think we'll come through the other side looking pretty squeaky. All right. This is our Atomic Blonde episode. We'll be talking about that fine piece of Charlize Theron. Uh, oh, sorry, man. Lesbian action. And, and uh, Flicks of the Week. Mine, of course, is going to be the 2003 cult classic, The Room. Directed, written, edited, produced, lead acted by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> and then whatever else we decided to talk about in this episode. All right, so take it away. Or do you have a pick this week? Uh, Metallica review. Metallica concert All right, show. so you do. All right, there you go. Sorry, my bad. All right, all that and more. Take it away. Johnny. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Meanwhile, how you doing? 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 How this movie is really simple to to give a review for. It, it, it pretty much is this: it kicks ass. It looks cool while it's doing it. It's got some problems with the storytelling. Um, the, the twists were a little too much for me, maybe on the first viewing. Um, but this movie is fucking cool, and that's all. That's all I gotta say. I'm not gonna say nothing else about this movie. Not nothing until you say something. Say that again. <laughs> I said I'm not gonna say anything else about this movie until you say something. Something. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I can get back into it. The nitty gritty. So I appreciate this movie more than anything else for this reason. Depeche mode. Deep commode. <laughs> Depeche mode. This, I love Depeche mode. I, there's just something about them. Fucking 80s new wave style. Even their fucking 97 album, man. I, 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 I they have some cool ass shit. Cool beats. Fucking love the, just the singing, everything. Depeche Mode's awesome. There's like two or three Depeche Mode songs in the, on this on this uh, movie, and then film. And then there's a little bit of mix up too. The the music. What's really cool about the music is that it fits into that that rebellious teen style of of European you know European teens and young people during the during the time. This of the, rebellious teen style of European teens. <laughs> yes, exactly. I I know I said fucking teen twice. Thank you for pointing it out again. Uh, you're welcome. And. It, it it just totally fits in the whole, you know, that rebelliousness, right? There's like, why the Teen fuck rebellion. is why the fuck is this this wall up here, right? You know, get the wall down. Let's be able to cross over 
and we can have all the, the, the give me all your stuff. We can have all the Danishes and crowds that we want. You know, it it's yeah, all these people. You know, you had the fucking punks and all that stuff. It they're all like saying fuck you guys, fuck this stupid Cold War bullshit, right? And the music fits in with that whole demeanor. It the you know. The Depeche Mode, the David Bowie, especially that that scene where you're showing all the punkers outside and they're playing, uh, you know, uh, "Fight the Power" by by Public Enema, right? It, it fits, you know, because a, a lot of there's um, a lot of uh, musical influence um, from over here in the states, over there during that time period, and you know, let alone so I mean, there was still stuff coming from them as well, but right. still. Add a fuel to the fire, you know. It's funny because it's like the hippie movement, where a lot of people say, "Oh, fucking hippies, right?" Bah, bah, bah. You know, they they were all fucking stupid. But then all of a sudden, you're like, "Well, in a way, they were kind of right." I mean, they weren't falling for that. Oh, they were high as fuck. But regardless, they still had a statement to make. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And th- these young people were like that too. It was like, "Why the fuck is this wall here?" So anyway. I'm going too far on the tangent, but that's what the music does. Yeah, why was this wall here? Yeah. Yeah. So the music fits really good into that shit, right? Um, And you said it yourself, right? It was something like, you don't care for these. It's like when uh, we watched Guardians of the Galaxy. There's quite a few songs in this movie. Look, I'm a metalhead. I like rock, ACDC, Van Halen, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But 18 in life, you know. That's Skid Row. (laughs) No. You know you like Skid Row? <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fan. Actually, I like some of their stuff, but... Anyways. Yeah. When it comes to music and soundtracks, yeah. if it's done right, I love it. Yeah. And even though I'm not a big fan of new wave stuff, yeah. I mean, I like 99 Left Balloons. It's a cool song. And if it's put I in the right like spot. I do like Personal Jesus, but I didn't like the, Con- the Kane West stuff. Yeah, which was not in the movie. Thank yeah, God. thank you. And... Uh, and all the other music just fit into the vibe. It's it's Germany. It's Berlin. Yeah. So you got to have these songs that are reminiscent of culture, that the pop culture the area. Time. Yeah. Not necessarily pop culture, but the area. You know, the songs of the time. Yeah. So yeah, it worked. All right. Yeah. All right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So that is that's one of those things that that makes this movie um, fun. You know, because the whole overview of Atomic Blonde is fucking gloomy, right? And so it's constant gray or it's always at nighttime. It's snowing. It's, you know, fucking everyone's got a somber look on their face because they hate being where they're at at the moment, right? But David Leach, the director, who's, you know, co-director of uh, your first John Wick, he is able to just make everything work in that whole gloomy state by entertaining us with the music the cool style, the costumes, and of course the the the, the choreography, the fight choreography. You know, um, look, this movie has one standout scene to me. I mean, there's plenty of cool moments, but the standout is that long take fight where it's it's made to look like a long take. I it was really good editing, but I could tell where they 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 cut you know cut the scene, but still the whole stairwell fight that ends in the river. Yeah, when she gets hit. Yeah, with yeah the car yeah. chase into the river, um, where she has a. Uh, What's his name? The uh, the spyglass. Yeah, spyglass. Um, yeah, th- the the dude from uh, the World's End. Yeah, and he was in Hancock. He played the the the, the bad guy in Hancock. Right. Um, David Marson. Is it Marson? God damn it, Joe! You better have that name right. Eddie Marson. Shit. So yeah, he that this it just fuck man. It that scene was so. F- when you think of movies and you think of like. Look, there's plenty of movies that you like and you love, but there's certain movies where they'll have a scene in them 
that fucking calls you. Like when it, this scene happens in a movie, everyone shut the fuck up. This is the cool ass scene, right? This is what you probably put it in for just to watch this goddamn scene, regardless of what you feel about the rest of the movie, right? That's what this scene is for this movie. I could I could go okay, through, yeah. I could go through all even if I didn't like Atomic Blonde, I could go through this whole movie just to get to that fucking fight sequence, which was awesome because it just kept going, man. It was Energizer bunnying it. It just fucking, you know, there's an oh fuck, you think she's almost done, right? No, another guy pops up, right? And then she's getting fucked up, but she's fucking them up, but she was always, you know, got a little bit of an edge, right? And it just keeps fucking going, keeps going, keeps going. And then, and then someone you think's gone out of the picture, right? All of a sudden, pops back in. And then, you know, there it, it, it was, it was even some humor, you know, humor in there. And the same thing with John Wick. Those fight scenes got so fucking extreme that it, it, it got funny at times. I mean, how often do you laugh at someone blasting someone's brains out, you know, with close range with a, with a pistol, right? Not normally you don't do that. But in a movie like this. Or Not John, normally in life you do that. Yeah. But a movie like this and John Wick, it's done in a way where you're just like, this is so fucking awesome that, yes, give me more. <laughs> and that that whole scene, it, and, you know, like I said, it was beautifully edited and it felt like one this long, what was it, like 10, 15 minute take? You know, it felt like the whole Yeah, fight. yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was very <laughs> hardcore Henry-ish in a way. The scene was so brutal. Yeah. <laughs> just the fight scene between her and um, the bad guy, yeah. the, the, whatever his name was, that when when it all was said and done, they're just lying in broken glass in that apartment. Yeah. Hold on, I got an itch. And she gets up, you know, and the whole fight starts again, but they're all tired, you know? Yeah, exactly. And they're just huffing and puffing. Yeah. And, and, and finally she ends up, you know, she ends up doing away with the dude, but... That just the whole fight scene in the apartment was awful. <laughs> yes, I mean awful, good, but awful because they just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, throwing her around. Yeah, and then uh, and then Eddie Marson, he's fucking duct taping <laughs> shit up. And yeah, well, you know, and you know what? What was really good about that whole thing what? is while he's duct taping himself together, mm-hmm. nothing happened to him that was useless. Yeah. Like he didn't get shot because you know of an errant bullet or whatever. Yeah. Like in most most Hollywood movies, where you know you you hear like a gunshot, yeah. and then then the camera turns, and the dude the dude that you're trying to save has been shot errantly because you moved or you you know whatever. He survives. Well, he 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 survived until uh, he couldn't get the seatbelt out. Which again, oh, well, he was stuck. That uh, that again uh, is a. That bothered me because it it was a cheap way to end his life. Yeah. You know? And it would have been better if if he had been injured in that accident, really badly injured, and she was trying to help him and they get out of the car, but he ends up dying. Yeah. Because of his injuries. Yeah. You know, it would have been I think that would have would have been a, a bigger impact. Yeah. Than, you know, him just going down with the car. You know what? It just and kind of that's what the way it treats the characters in this movie is they're kind of throwaway, you know? Kind of, but he wasn't really a throwaway character, you know? I mean, up until that point, it was just that scene was weak. You mean the way it ended? Yeah, it was weak. Oh, he's caught? Fuck you. <laughs> so well, all, all that effort well, just to yeah. blow it at the end. Yeah, why don't, why, don't, why don't we have more movie tropes? 
you know, more more generalization from movie studios about this is this is a Sony movie, right? Uh no, it's Focus Features. Oh, Focus. Okay. Yeah, that was just one of those those typical atypical Hollywood bullshit thingies that it it always bugs me because the the impact could have been so much better and I'm not no pun intended with the, you know, yeah. the way that it happened um cuz they got hit. Yeah. But the impact would have been so much better if you think she saves him. Yeah. And he ends up, it, it would have been even better if he ends up dying of hypothermia, uh-huh. you know, and his injuries. Like, his body just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, because he's bleeding and he's fucking freezing. Yeah, so, well, well, that what usually happens with that is your body, when when you're bleeding and it's cold out, your body, sl- the f- blood flow slows. Yeah. But the yeah, shock yeah. to the system. Yeah. So, y- the impact would have been greater if she saves him and brings him and he sees his family... For the last time, yeah, and dies while he's there with them. Okay, like he falls asleep. Yeah, how big of an impact would that been? I think it would have. Uh, you know what? Maybe it was done in the way it was done. Besides, you know, possible lazy writing, just to keep pushing the story forward with with Theron's character. Yeah, but they still ended up going to that spot with John Goodman and you know condolences and all this other stuff. Yeah, you know, I, like he gets to the hideout or he gets to the safe house or wherever. Yeah. And he's there, and he's talking with his parents. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm really tired. Let me take a nap real quick. Yeah. And he dies. Yeah. I, You know, there is a, another thing about the movie I like, though. I, I really like McAvoy. Uh, McAvoy, fuck, dude. With every movie I, I'm seeing him in, he's getting more and more appealing as an actor to me. You know? I already liked, I was already a fan of his from the movie Wanted from, you know, 10 years ago because, or nine years ago. I mean, I got, you know, a fucking quote from him <laughs> on my chest. and But... Still, oh, you you don't remember this? Oh yeah. What the fuck have you done lately? Um, I that's from McAvoy, dude. And um, so I'm a fan of McAvoy's as an actor. And I mean, I'm not like, oh, let's go watch the newest fucking uh, British romance with him in it or anything like that. But when he's in something lately, I'm 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 very interested to see it because of how he is in Split. He he's really good as as um Xavier in the X Men movies, regardless of how fucking shitty the direction might have gone. Um, and Split. Holy shit, dude. So this year, we've seen McAvoy in two movies. We've seen him in Split, which I, he... Unless unless fucking Daniel Day-Lewis and a bunch of other people do way better performances this year, McAvoy's got to be consideration, okay, for best actor for Split. Um, but now you see him in a movie like this. His performance in this was just completely different than the way he was in Split. I think that like backs him up, like solidifies him as a a uh, what do you call it? It's not vicious as a as a um, you know uh, as an act, a ferocious actor. You know, like a you know he's got this huge range. Legitimate. Sure, well, we already knew he's a legitimate actor, but I mean, uh, voracious. I think that might be the word. Voracious. It just means you have a wide range of stuff. You know, it's just the guy. Has, he just he's a really good actor, and he in this movie he plays an asshole. Really good, like a charismatic asshole. He plays really well. Yeah, he's he's a he's a piece of shit. Yeah, he is. And you know, in the trailers, they made him look like he'd be this cool sidekick, right? And then the movie comes along, and he's a fucking dick. I mean, you pretty much know he's he's got he's not a, he's not you know completely on the up and up, if you know what I mean, right? With his character, and that that him is he's probably my favorite character in the entire film. All right, John Goodman's good, but it's still you don't get enough John Goodman, right? You never get enough John Goodman. Uh, but yeah, Theron, and you know, and I even like 
Sophia Boutella's character to a point because they didn't overuse her and they didn't um, they didn't turn her character her character was different than I'm used to seeing. I thought she was gonna be like this this overly sexy femme fatale kind of person. And instead she was kind of naive. You know, her character was very naive to the game, right? Like in over her head kind of thing. And it worked. It worked it like because it, it like played into Theron's, you know, her character flaw. Like one is where she's actually she's actually got a little bit of feeling for this this lady. And you know, even though she's not, yeah, she's smooth. a new, she's a new type of spy, and yeah. she doesn't know what she's doing. She's in over her head. So the only technical, technically, the only weakness that Theron has in this whole film is by from Butella's character, and that's it. Because once she's out of the picture, it's fucking clear skies, and she's able to just fucking tear ass until the movie's over, right? Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, I um, look, I I like the movie. It, it's. I gave it a seven out of ten. I was gonna first. I was gonna give it like a seven and a half. Seven, you know what? Seven's good. It's 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 worth seeing. It's very entertaining. It has flaws. There's, you know, the 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 twists with the movie might just be a little too, too many. <laughs> There's just like, wait, wait, who's who's she working with? Where's she? What? What? Huh? 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 You know, like, okay, what the fuck? I, I, and then there's parts of the movie that feel like they're really dragging, at times, but. Other than that, man, the style of it, the fucking effort that's put into the action and everything, I, I, I like the movie a lot. <laughs> it's really, it, I like it. I like it. I like it. it it's, just, it's just a couple doses below John Wick to me. Because John Wick is like completely overall entertaining. I wanted to see this movie because of the action scenes. Uh-huh. And then when I found out that David Leach made the movie, yeah, it it all came together. I'm like, okay, perfect. Yeah. You know, and then when she lands... She lands in Berlin and she's made. Yeah. And the very first, the scene, the the the, the car chase fight yeah. in the car, which is very reminiscent of fucking Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. But all that, all the close quarter combat shit. Yeah. And and then it, it just goes from there. But the whole point of the movie is she's telling a story. Yeah. And she's talking to Toby Jones and John Goodman. Yeah. And. And the guy behind the glass. And the, yeah, the guy behind the glass. C. That's his name. Yeah. For a commander or some shit like that. So anyways, she's talking to these guys and relating the story about everything that happened. Yeah. So you're kind of thrown into this whole into this whole piece. But what was good about it is you're not just thrown into this whole piece like Valerian, yeah. you know, where you don't understand the characters and what the fuck is going on and and why Valerian and Laureline are important and who the fuck they are. <laughs> and they have a destiny. Yeah. You understand, Charlie Theron is a spy. Yeah. We get that. What type of spy is she? Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. And we find out relatively quickly. And she made it through all the shit that, that got her ass whooped in the trailers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because she's telling, talking about the past tense. Yeah. So she wakes up, or she, she gets out of a tub that she's in yeah, iced. after all the fucking ass kicking. Yeah. And then... She took a fucking beating, dude. Yeah. it was There was a lot of... A lot of getting punched in the head. Yeah. And driving and shooting and avoiding people and then dealing with Sophia Butella and James McAvoy, who, you know, he, he's everything he does is. is um, He's such a snake in the grass. He is. Everything he <laughs> does is two faced. Yeah. You know, not to give anything away, but. Yeah. And then if you call him out on it. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. You just like move on to the next thing. Yep. Okay. You know. Yeah. And and he's the catalyst for the movie. But there are moments in the movie that 
are spectacular. Uh-huh. You know, and not just it. It, it isn't you know the, the action scenes, but aside from the action scenes, it's like the hotel scenes, like with the with the bright lights, the neon lights, yeah. you know, and the view of the city and everything else. Those are just some beautiful shots. Yeah, you know, the um like. One of the scenes is just a basic rooftop setting where she goes and talks to the kid. Yeah. You know, and he's sitting right next to, it looked like the airport. Mm. And it, and you have this this tower that has writing on the towers. I think it says airport or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's turning like like one of those old, old style fucking um, um, advertisements. Okay. Where you would see like with Chevy or whatever, just this metal, this is gigantic metal fucking tower yeah that has something just rotating around it right mm-hmm. and generally you would see it like with the car dealership or whatever and and it's nothing but metal the whole thing yeah so when it's when it's rotating it's like a weather vane and it's just making that creaking sound mm-hmm. and and, and he's, as he's talking it's kind of got this this upward angle focus to it and i i kind of like shots like that i like really cool f- visual photographs yeah even if it's a movie you know however they film it yeah and if it's even if it's doesn't have to be bright or you know a sunny day or whatever. Yeah. And, and to give you an example, the last Boy Scout because we were talking about Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Okay. The last Boy Scout where there are scenes where you see the sun setting. It's Christmas time. Yeah. And you have that orange glow about it. Yeah. Like when Bruce Willis. The evening shade. Yeah, and Damon Wayans are walking like at the end of the movie. Yeah. Surf's up, know? pal. Yeah. <laughs> We should go into business together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have a cool like, catchphrase, though. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be back. Yeah. Can't use that one. But, yeah, you, you, I mean, there were, or in Die Hard, you know? Yeah. Just There are just scenes in movies, if they're really well, even if they're bad movies, but there are scenes in movies that, that have an impact. Yeah. And Dude, the whole intro fucking fight sequence in The Revenant. Yeah. Fucking amazing. But then the movie made it, you almost forget about it. Yeah. But, it, or... um. The the fight scene. See, there was a fight in the theater, and it reminded me of it reminded me of Inglorious Bastards. Uh-huh. You know, but that was a really good fight. But yeah, you know, it, the scene, the hallways that they they filmed some of the stuff in, but the architecture of East Berlin versus West Berlin. Uh-huh. You know how everything was perfect in East Berlin. It was all shining and glimmery and beautiful, and yeah, even though it's under communist control, yeah. You know, everything is perfect. Yeah. Whereas, and, and it's done on purpose. Yeah. And West Berlin is this fucking, you know. War-torn. It, kind the of remnants war-torn. remnants of the war are there, you know. Kind of, but more like, think Wild West. Yeah. You know, where it's just every man for himself. There's, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. And we don't want to be like those guys. And, you know, that's why communism works. And that's why, you know, the West is so awful because it's just hedonism, uh-huh. you know, and that stark contrast. Yeah. That it, it was so well done, you know, just the way that they have, like if you see the skyscrapers and everything else. Yeah. You know, it, it, and in fact, it's very, it's very reminiscent of L.A. where you have this division, you know, like there'll be just f- beautiful buildings. Down at Crenshaw? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I mean, just beautiful buildings in the middle of nowhere, you know, on either side of it, there's like seedy, run-down buildings. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm that's what I'm reminded of when I saw Atomic Blonde. Is just 
that style and and leach uses that gray paul and i usually get all bent out of shape about this gray pallor yeah this palette that they use that is very depressing but it's necessary for this because you're trying to tell a story about the berlin wall before it falls it fits in with the whole idea of the cold war yeah you know it's all gray and just ugly and rainy and all this other stuff right it's february all the gloom man yeah and it exactly it works so well, and and then they have and then there are other movies that try to use that, you know, or try to use this red wash, to indicate like different foreign countries or whatever, yeah. like with sand and like Iraq or Iran or Mexico or whatever. Yeah, and those and that doesn't work at all. But Leach has it down. Like he didn't use that type of pallor in in um, John Wick. No, I think it was different. Yeah, it was definitely. John but Wick he had used like, some grays. He had greens and, and yeah, and like you know, depending on where he was at, you know, right. was at the nightclub, you had different colors in the nightclub. Yeah, and and then, the same thing here. Yeah, but most of it was just just kind of. But it was made to like it was like a different kind of tone of color. <laughs> well, for if the you, era, if you look at the movie, if you if if you can remember how it was done, if you look at the movie and you see like if she when she's working. It's mostly grays and whites, uh-huh. but like when she's when she's in bed with Sophia Butella, yeah, colorful. It's very colorful. She has her skin. <laughs> the rainbows are vibrant. Yeah, but her skin has a tone to it, like a, a yeah a tannish tone to it. Yeah, you know, and it's reds and you know like hot. Life is coming out. Like. Yeah, it's heat, reds and oranges and yeah. stuff like that. And then at other times it's just like grays or browns. Yeah. You know, like the All like the, the leaves are brown. <laughs> yeah, like the the flight the fight scene in in the uh, in the in in the apartment complex. Yeah, or the fight scene at her ex lover's place. Yeah, with the cops. Grays and blacks. Yeah, you know, very downtrodden, very very depressing. I think the most colorful thing in those in those whole scenes, where she's fighting out of the apartment, is the is the fucking hose that she uses. The, the, the guy's hair, the the blonde hair. Yeah, in some cases. Yeah, but I mean the yellow of the hose, right? Yeah, it's like that was the most colorful thing. Like that was the saving point. Right. <laughs> yeah, very well done. Yeah, you know, I just I wish that the story had been a little. Uh, I don't know, just the story could I needed something more, and there are some boring point parts. So that's what keeps us from being a a, a closer to perfection type film. But overall, I mean, entertained, right? I, yes, I was very entertained. Yeah, and the dude, look you. I'm not always big on style over substance, but when you when you do it right, it, it makes the substance not seem as important. You know, you know, Mad Max, you you were able to do that, but then you got other movies where they fuck that up, and they, you know, Transformers is the worst is the is the best slash worst example is because you have all this effort put into the the CG, but then everything else fucking sucks that goes along with it, so it didn't matter. All right, Atomic Blonde. Trans- Transformers sucked the life out of everybody. Yeah, and I, when, I mean it sucks the life out of going to the movies because it's so awful. Yeah, and then you get stuff like we've been lucky the last couple of weeks, you know, with these movies and whatnot. Yeah, um, the, not necessarily great movies, but entertaining movies. Yeah, and I, I swear it's it's like look, I, I look, I didn't. Hate there's them. always that one guy at the party that fucks everything up. Yeah, that's Michael Bay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, even Valerian wasn't a great movie, but it was entertaining. You know, it stood out on its own enough. You know, and Planet of the Apes was good. You know, yeah, I mean, we've had a, we've had a decent summer. I mean, we had Baby Driver right before that and Spider-Man. So, you know what? This has been a good summer of movies. 
we have we have a, we've had a pretty good steady flow of of uh, of entertaining uh, blockbuster fare. Yes, we have. All right. So yeah, uh, I gave like I said, I gave the movie a seven out of ten. Would you give it? I give it a six, six and a half. Okay. Right. You know, it's it's a good movie, but there's still elements missing. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> there could be a sequel. Could be. <laughs> All right. Um, Hopefully. It, yeah. Uh, what was our picks on that one? Uh, what do we got? I think uh, Rotten Tomatoes is. What is Rotten Tomatoes at? Rotten Tomatoes is at seventy-five percent. So that means roughly three out of every four critics like this movie. All right. Holy shit! You were at seventy-seven. I'm at eighty-nine. All right. You went. I we yeah. We both went over, but yeah. They're at seventy-five. Yeah. You're close. You win. All right. You win this week. Ding ding dong. Ding ding dong dong dong. Ding ding dong. <laughs> so, oh, do you want to put uh, Dunkirk in there for uh, after the Dark Tower? Uh, no. You don't want to do a prediction on Dunkirk? What do you think we're going to see in between the Dark Tower and the Hitman's Bodyguard then? Dunkirk. <laughs> Does it matter? Oh, yeah. What are you What are you going to give Dunkirk? Ninety. Ninety. You're cheating. I know what it is because of how much it's popped up, but I, I look. It's fucking Christopher Nolan, dude. Oops. Christopher Nolan. He's a golden boy now with Hollywood. The, the critics love that guy. I, I I like the guy a lot too, but but you yeah. cheated. You already knew what I was going to get. So you already know. I, look, I, if you want, you do 85 for me because, I mean, I would get... Yeah, because yeah, it's closer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll get back into Dunkirk later. Yeah, don't worry about it. All right. So, yeah, that's it. Tom Blanc, go see it, man. It's not... It's not... It's not... Not. It's not a piece of shit. I swear. Oh, oh hi, Mike. Hi, Joe. <laughs> that's called a Segway. So, my it's not just a scooter. My flick of the week. All right. Normally, I don't care about getting into cult films, cult classic films, because they usually only stand out to certain kinds of people. Not all, but some. And I, I was never interested in the room. I don't even know if I ever heard of the fucking room. But I, a few months ago, my son, my sons love fucking going through. YouTube and watching a shitload of Markiplier and and Van Noss and and uh, uh, PewDiePie type type stuff, right? Well, my son Kendrick, who he loves movies like I do, he likes PewDiePie, and he saw this video where PewDiePie talks about his favorite movie of all time, and it's The Room, and it's like a 15, 20 minute. I'm sorry, hold on a second. What did PewDiePie say that his favorite movie of all time is called The Room? Oh, he knocks the movie. Don't get me wrong. He just did, says it because of... Did he say that it's his favorite movie of all time? Yeah. He said it ironically? Yeah, he says it ironically because of how bad it is. I can't trust him. <laughs> I mean, he knocks the movie, but he's like he's praising it as he's knocking it. He's making fun of it as he's praising it. Uh, it's 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 an entertaining video. It's like... Four, uh, he, look, he's got four and a half million views on that fucking thing. He don't need any more. Give us some goddamn views. Give us yeah, some listens. Share the all right, so, jerk. so yeah, just take my word for it. All right? But anyway, so I watched this 15, 20 minute video and he goes through all of the shit about this movie and it's playing all these classic scenes that are really, really popular because everyone makes fun of this movie. And I, I, I never really knew much about it, but it, it was so funny that it got me interested in the whole thing, right? And then I think one time after that, I tried to find it on, on Netflix and Hulu and everything else. Couldn't fucking find it. Couldn't even find it on YouTube at the time, right? So, I was like, whatever, fuck it. The movie probably sucks. I mean, look, the movie, it's like watching Plan 9 from Out of Space or something, right? You know it's going to fucking suck, but even though it's a classic, you're going to give it a chance, right? Plan 9 from Outer Space is fucking god-awful. 
the room, I'm going to get to it. This is a different entity altogether. Uh, a few weeks ago, this trailer dropped for The Disaster Artist, which is based on the the, 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 the non-fiction book by Greg Sesteros, who's the main co-star with Tommy Wiseau in The Room. And it's about, you know, it's all about the making of the, of the room. And James Franco is directing it, <laughs> this movie called The Disaster Artist, based on the book. And it's about the ordeals made, gone into making this movie. And it's got, you know, fucking Seth Rogen, blah, blah, blah. You've seen the video, it, it, the trailer. It's, it makes fun of the, the film's most famous scene. And it's the most famous scene because, well, like I said, even PewDiePie fucking puts it as his favorite scene. <laughs> and... <laughs> It is so bad, and Tommy Wiseau is so he's he's got this this foreigner charisma to him. But even though he's a shitty shitty actor, the charisma fucking brings it across. It, it fucking it gets over that hurdle, right? And so when you see Franco doing this scene that my my kids keep repeating through the fucking house, they've been doing it ever since we watched this PewDiePie video. You know, I did not hit her. I did not. It's a lie. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. No, it's a lie. I did not. Right. And I, I, I can kind of do his voice when I'm hearing. It's like when I'm listening to Pops or something. I can do his voice when I'm actually listening to Tommy Wiseau when he's speaking. He's like a like a French Canadian kind of sounding, you know, like like you can tell that he was raised speaking French. And then he, then he learned English pretty. I mean, he knows English well. He just can't fucking accentuate it very well, right? So it sounds very off when he speaks. And so anyway, this fucking this is you know the uh, the disaster artist comes out in the trailer form, and it's played by fucking actors that I love. It's got Dave Franco's eyebrows in it, you know, and and a bunch of and it's got a shitload of cameos. Um, I'm on board because of all this stuff that I've seen right before leading up to it. Because you can see the effort that's put into fucking making. It's hilarious. And I didn't even know that there was a book or anything. Just out of nowhere, this trailer comes. So anyway, now I have an interest in seeing The Room. Well, the other day, I'm, I'm going through YouTube again. I end up watching a fucking another clip from The Room or something. And, and then all of a sudden, I was able to find an actual version of the movie on there. And... It was, it was, you know, the names were changed a little bit in the titling so that I guess they could sneak it in there for however long, that's, you know, before it gets taken off. But I watched it, okay? 94 minutes. You watched the room. an illegal version. Well, it didn't it didn't appear as illegal when it was on there. It was on YouTube. So um, they got away with it being on there. I don't know how. Anyways. So. That's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm not judging. Sneak thief. <laughs> so... <laughs> Tommy Wiseau, Wiseau, his name is all over this fucking movie. It's Wiseau Productions, director, writer, editor, fucking lead star, producer. There, hold on. There, there's an awesome Reddit of a guy that helped Tommy Wiseau. I can't remember his name. Is it Greg Sestero? It may be Greg. That Greg is the guy that actually directed the movie. Uh-huh. And Tommy was like, no. Greg's like, so... Tommy's like, I need your help when I'm doing my. I need your help. I need your help. Help me. You're you're gonna you're gonna film me when I'm not directing. We're friends. So Mom. I'm in every scene, you know, Greg. And <laughs> and Greg's like, so you want me to direct the movie? And Tommy's like, yeah, no, I'm the director. Yeah. And Greg's like, so you want me to hold the camera, and you want me to point it at you, and you want me to say action. Yeah. And you want me to do all the scenes like this. Yeah. But you're the director, and Tom's like, "Yes, that's how it works." <laughs> and and Greg's like, "No, 
You don't get it. You can't be the director and not direct. Yeah. I <laughs> There was a whole Reddit on on yeah. Greg talking about that whole thing. And Tommy Wiseau, obviously, is yeah. threatening any cinemas yeah. with not, you know, I will not, you cannot have my film if you have, if, if you uh, have any of Greg's stuff there. Yeah. And you have him do his, his thing. Yeah. You know, which is his Q&A stuff. Uh-huh. So, like, any, any, any theater that does this Q&A with Greg, Tommy Wiseau will blacklist him. Well, I don't think it's him because those two would just start another movie together. Um. Oh, then it's it's the guy that actually directed the movie. Okay, yeah, I don't know exactly who did it because the one who's not credited is the director. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, look, this is a shitty movie. It is. It is fucking bad. It is, it is Lifetime Channel presents HBO After Dark. Fucking shitty movie. Oh, okay? it's not The Door. It's The Room, stupid. It is, yeah, The Room. And, okay, it's set in 2003, um, San Francisco. All right, and the majority of the film takes place in Johnny's apartment. Now, Johnny is this nice guy who works at the bank, played by Tommy Wiseau, and he's got a, a, a fiance named Lisa, lives in the apartment with him. Right. Well, Lisa is a how do I put this? That guy is fucking ugly. Lisa is a fucking skank. She is a selfish fucking look. There's there's characters that you love to hate in movies. And then there's characters that you just uh, fucking hate. It's Sandy Schclair. Okay. Has okay. come forward to claim that he actually directed a sizable portion of the film that's currently making the rounds. All right. Lisa is not a character you love to hate. You just fucking hate her. Okay. Besides having a nice pair of tits, she is fucking a waste of, of air. And I, I, I mean to be misogynistic on this one because she is a shitty fucking actress and a shitty written character. And fuck Lisa. Okay. Fuck her. The, the most selfish character I've ever seen in a movie, ever. All right? Anyway, before I get too far away from myself. Hold on. The, the Schler thing that I was talking about, I know. Schler characterized the exchange as, so um, you want me to direct your project? No, I am just director. <laughs> Schler. 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 <laughs> yeah, you're the director, whatever. But you want me to direct your movie for you're you? Not, you're not. Yeah. I'm the director. Y- yes, please. So... Yes, we're making the world's worst movie, but we knew it at the time. I embraced the room. The script supervisor ending up sort of directing the movie. Tommy was so busy being an actor that this other guy directed the whole thing. Of course, Wazoo vigorously denied it. I, I will never give this guy credit. He he did not direct the movie. He was hired as a script supervisor. If he was my assistant, so be it. But direct? I don't think so. <laughs> I know I'm making fun of Tommy Wiseau, but... Um, Schler says... Tommy hired him in 2002 to serve as the film script supervisor. You're my film script supervisor, but I also want you to tell the actors what to do and then yell action and cut and then tell the cameraman what shots to get. I'm the director. But I'm the director. <laughs> so? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking film Nazi. I love, I love that voice. So It makes me laugh. Yeah, hey, look. This, this movie, and like I said, PewDiePie blew it up for me. And... I, I watch this movie, and yes, I, I there are parts where I am suffering through it because it's so badly acted, so badly directed and edited and everything because it'll just go into this fucking pointless bullshit that doesn't even fit into the plot line of the story or anything. And and then all of a sudden it's gone, and then it's never mentioned ever again in the film. Like, it, what was the point of even fucking showing it? Like, Lisa's mother's um, just in the middle of a conversation announces that she has breast cancer. She just got diagnosed with it. And then the conversation immediately shifts into 
something about Lisa and and her cheating on Johnny, and and it's never mentioned again for the rest of the film. Oh yeah, there's there's just yeah. awfulness abounds in that fucking yeah. film. Man. And yeah, but what keep look look there there's besides the the some of the fucking over the top acting scenes in this movie, the biggest selling point of the room is Tommy Wiseau because. Even though he is a shitty, shitty actor, the man has this fucking innocent charm to him as the character of Johnny. And you can't, even though he's a fucking moron and he's being cheated on and everyone knows it and he's fucking blind to it. And it's just, there's this, 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 this shitty charm to him, just like the movie. And, and so you root for the guy. And, and I, oh, I don't have no shitty charm. I'm a charming, charming man. No matter what he runs into, in animal or human. The first thing he says in every scene where he's introduced is, oh, hi. So it, it's, oh, uh, oh, hi, uh, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Or, hi, doggy. Hi, doggy. Right? And it's fucking hilarious because he says it every fucking time. Right? And also, in every scene that he's not fucking, he has a football in his hand. And so mm-hmm. every scene has them fucking tossing the football around. And they could be talking about the most like depressing shit about their lives or anything. I, I hate my life. Go long. And it's almost like, dude... If this was any, would be any funnier is if Down, they, were, set, they while they're laughing, running off to go play catch, they should be butt naked doing it because they're in San Francisco and it would just totally uh, fit in with the scene. Uh, ah, and then uh, <laughs> throw it to each other or something. It that, uh, there is it is. Look, there's so I don't want look. Watch the movie. I don't want to blow up too much about it because it, it is a shitty movie. Don't forget I said that. Yeah, right? it's a shitty. It's a shitty movie, I but swear. Don't, don't talk to but me about shitty movie. movies. It's a comedy. But it's mine, and I directed it. So, yeah, there. I mean, dude, there's just... It's fucking hilarious, especially if you watch all the stuff leading up to when you watch the movie. So then when you finally do watch the movie, and you see all the shit that's already been made fun of, it's fucking hilarious. Because there's parts where, where Wiseau overacts so badly that you just laugh. It's fucking... It's so bad. You know, or he'll cut like in in the characters. They'll do these things where they'll be like like okay. I'll give you an example. Lisa's friend comes over one day while no one's there, and she starts fucking her boyfriend on the couch of Johnny's apartment, right? And then all of a sudden, the mom, the the mother, the future mother-in-law, and Lisa come in, and they're like, "Oh, you're get out the you know the mother-in-law's all fucking hoity-toity," and then that's when she reveals she has breast cancer. Right. Well, anyway, those two, the 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 friend ends up finding out about her having an affair. With Tommy's best friend, Mark, played by Greg Sestero, and and the whole movie keeps showing everyone telling that knows about it keeps telling Lisa not to do this. You're going to hurt Johnny. Johnny's a good man. You're going to destroy him. Don't do this to him. And then she, the whole movie, she keeps telling everybody, "I don't love him anymore." But yet she keeps fucking using him, right? And it is, it gets so fucking annoying. To hear the same shit over and over again, and and to see what she's doing to fucking Tommy, I mean uh, to Johnny, right? It's 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 fucking it's like sad and funny at the same time because of how oblivious he is to what's going on around him, and you feel sorry for. I felt sorry for his character. And my son William, uh, when he was watching it with me and Kendrick, he he felt sorry. He goes, "Why did he kill himself?" I gave the end of the movie away, but it's a shitty movie. Thanks for giving. You sure I know. Thanks for giving away my movie. But it's fucking. Thank you very much. Why? Did he, why? I, I why you sorry. gave away my movie? I feel sorry that Johnny killed himself. I why? said, 
I said, why, the, why you give away my movie? I go, uh, th- th- my fucking son, William, man, he, he doesn't like watching movies very much. He likes to play video games. Well, my I don't let them play video games very much anymore at all. So we were usually watching movies. Well, he fucking turns down all this cool shit that I'm like, well, we, we should check this out. We should check. No, I don't want to wait. Or he'll pick the safe shit that he's already seen a million times that he likes. Well, I fucking try to put on something cool, you know, and then, no, hey, let's watch The Room again. What the fuck? I'm, I'm trying to get you into Lethal Weapon and all this stuff. And you no! Watch, and you want to watch the fucking room again? How fucking dare you? We just watched The Room. And we keep watching. Every week we watch more, more, more clips of The Room. I, I will sum it up for you in just this one simple sentence. Okay, I'm bored. I'm done talking to you. <laughs> I He yes. fucking said that to me. <laughs> and now I, I, have, I, I don't even want to deal with him anymore. You, you don't want to have a little special vendetta? No, it's not a special. I just don't want to deal with your son. It's like he has no tact. Yeah. I wanted to reach through the phone and punch him if I could do that. Dude, he, I would have punched him right in the dick. And it was like fucking two minutes as I was trying to get out of the shower. And in two minutes, he's able to fucking already do that. Yeah. He, he, like we were having a conversation. He's like, okay, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm like, you you asked me questions. You're asking me these questions. And then now you're bored. <laughs> And like, and then, he, and so he hands me. I, I swear, because Ken, your son Kendrick, yeah, he's prepubescent, and Cora sound the same on the phone. Uh-huh. So he's asking me all these questions that I would expect Cora to ask, which uh-huh. is, so you know, the video games thing and all this other stuff. What's going on with how's that? It, how's it hanging? Yeah, and he's actually, you know, he's he's asking me questions that he's interested in. And I'm, yeah. I'm answering as best I can, and then from there. <laughs> And then you're so you're just just a douche. Yeah. Yeah. William um, just has no tact. That's all. Yeah. I, I we have plenty of debates about him being an asshole because he, I don't think he's an asshole. Oh, he just you, has no tact. You, you see how he, he acts? The hypocritical shit he does to people. Oh yeah. Fucking just I, I like, dude. That's how an asshole acts. Stop acting like an asshole. Okay. This is you can't get mad at someone for getting mad at you for doing something they told you not to do to them. Uh huh. That makes you an asshole. Stop being an asshole. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll get into psychology. You knock it off, kid. Child psychology one on one. We'll talk you, about that. You, you stop being a jerk. So yeah, and now on our this show sucks for this week for the Venture Brothers. Uh, we talked about you going down to L.A. and seeing the Metallica video uh-huh. or the, the, the uh, concert, right? Oh, thank you. And what the f- <laughs> that's a wicked googly. Um, Lucinda Dickey is fucking fine as shit. Look at her. She was in. She was in uh, Ninja Three. Uh huh. That's not <laughs> women in bird cages. I don't know why we're on this when we're supposed to see be topless about. women in bird cages. Okay. I I was looking up chastity belt. Yeah, that's a vigilant. Uh, okay. I was I was I was looking up the room, and there is there there was this thing on Ninja Three: The Domination, and Lucinda Dickey, who also played in Electric Boogaloo. Is in both of those movies. Breaking two. Yeah, and breaking two. Electric Boogaloo. But she was fine as fuck, dude. And then she disappeared. Yeah, I don't know what happened. To her. There's, you know, there's a lot like that. Like you'll you'll remember like a hottie from a a movie that you see, and then all of a sudden they're fucking gone. Like she's um, still fine as fuck. Bogomil's daughter from a uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Part she's two. only fifty six. She's married. She was in a couple movies after that, and then she fucking went away. She she had babies or something. Okay. Because some selfish dick, you know, like, oh, you stay home, and I'll keep acting. Whatever. And now no more Bogomil daughter. 
She uh, Lucinda Dickey retired from acting in 1990. Yeah. Uh, her husband is co-executive producer of the reality TV game show Survivor. Hey, how really weird because my cousin was an editor and he was also a producer of Survivor. Did he survive? Yeah. All right. Fucking Paul Coyne, dude. All right. So, concert. Paul Coyne. <laughs> Shut up. Jerk, we're talking about Paul right Shut now. Shut up, jerk. So yeah, this is my cousin. Uh, he's a supervising producer of Spike TV's Invasion of Iowa, Invasion Iowa, Shaq's Big Challenge, and Homeland Security USA. Executive producer of If You Really Knew Me, um, received an American Cinema Editor's 2011 Eddie Award. He's awesome, man. That's awesome. He was nominated for an Emmy Emmy for Outstanding Picture Editing of Nonfiction uh-huh. for Shark Attack, that Survivor. Uh, what else did he do? Uh, Beyond Emmy. Scared uh, Straight, too. Got an Emmy nomination. So, yeah, he did uh, Big Brother, Flipped, The Amazing Race, Ultimate. He does. He did a lot of reality shows. Uh, Average Joe, Hawaii. Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. You fucking donkey. Uh, Rita Hayworth, Dancing into the Dream, Big Brother. He was a producer. Uh, Joe Schmo, two, the most unfabulous. Challenge. Yep. I watched a couple of those episodes. If you're really, So, that is... Um, that that's my cousin Paul, pretty cool, huh? Hey, Paul, share the show. Hire us, jerk. Click that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Click that shit. <laughs> um, Metallica. So Saturday, uh, Friday night we, or Friday. Saturday. Friday we drive down to Los Angeles. Stayed at my buddy Dave's house, and the whole trip started off with my brother's car battery dying. The Volt. No, the the his Honda. Okay. So the the battery died for some reason. So no big deal. We ended up taking my mom's car, and we drove down to L.A. Mm-hmm. Just fucking, we flew down. We got down there, stayed at my buddy Dave's house. So <laughs> Friday night, Dave and I are out back talking and whatever else, and we hear squealing tires and a kaboom. Okay. And we go around the corner, and there's a fucking Honda Accord that had jumped a curb. You've seen the picture, right? No, I didn't. What? I didn't see the picture. Bro, I fucking put the picture up. I didn't see it. Well, that's your fucking I saw the problem. stadium shit. I saw the big boy thing with Bubba. You didn't see the... You didn't see the... So this happened? No. I'm going to look it up right now. Keep keep going. Keep on going. Okay. So this this guy, he, he jumped a curb and went up over um, a two-foot high retaining wall. Yeah. Onto someone's... Uh, and almost crashed into someone's house. Yeah. And so we took pictures of it, and and then Dave Dave went back to get his press pass because he has a sheriff's pass that allows him to take pictures of accidents and shit like yeah. that. And we went back and started taking pictures. And that ended Friday. That ended, the, that ended our Friday night. So we started off with the car not starting. You know, there's fucking... Yeah, I saw it. The dog's staring at the camera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what's the deal with that dog? <laughs> Uh, he was chilling there like, hey, buddy. Is that your hand just pointing at it like, see? No, that's Mark. Oh. That's me taking the picture. Um, Saturday, we leave. We go to Bob's Big Boy. End up, we drive to Pasadena to uh, get our hotel room. Guard it for me, Big Buns. <clears throat> and drive to the Rose Bowl. No, I've never been to the Rose Bowl. My brother's never been to the Rose Bowl. It's, it's fucking awesome. Pasadena, right, you said? Yeah, Pasadena. So the Rose Bowl is awesome. 
we get in there. It's my, it's for my, my, uh, cousin, my cousin, my nephew's first ever concert. He's 12 years old. Gojira, Avenged Sevenfold, Metallica. We get into Metallica or we get into the show, get our seats, sit down, relax. We watch Avenged Sevenfold and then, uh, Metallica comes on. Yeah. And Ecstasy of the Gold. It goes from Ecstasy of the Gold, which is a tape thing. It's a it's a video. Mm-hmm. It's a, actually it's the actual the whole end sequence of that movie. Um, is it High Plains Drifter? Or Hang 'em High? I don't shit. I don't know. Wherever Ecstasy of the Gold came from. I don't know. And so that whole the whole end sequence of the movie is playing. Of course, the Ecstasy of the Gold song is playing, and then lights go down. Hardwired to self destruct starts the show. It is so fucking loud. It is so loud, the bass drum is thumping your chest. And we were 100 yards away. Yeah. It was amazing. We couldn't hear for two days straight. We were, I, 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 w- I had a consistent ringing in my ear up until, up until 12 hours ago. And still worth it to you. Oh, my God. Every moment. In the songs that they played, they went. They played a whole shit ton of songs, stuff they hadn't played before, stuff they haven't played in five years. Yeah, they played Motor Breath from the first album. They played Fade to Black. They and you would think, oh, Fade to Black. Oh, they played it all the time. No, it was like the first time in five years they played Fade to Black. Okay. <laughs> um, they played Unforgiven. They played I Disappear uh, from Mission Impossible. Yeah, they didn't sing it, but it was a Kirk Hammett, uh, Robert Triolo thing. Like a solo thing. Yeah, like a solo thing. So they played I Disappear, and then the, that went into the bass solo called Anastasia Pulling Teeth. That's clever how they just, you know, so instead of having to do every single song, they could just do parts of a song to lead into something else. And then then they played Master of Puppets, then they played another song, and then they went into Running with the Devil for Van Halen. Yeah. Which was awesome, because I didn't expect that. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. And then there's like, yeah, we got to pay homage to the boys from Pasadena. They did the cover. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then they just fucking blew it out for the rest of the night. They played um, Battery and then uh, Enter Sandman and Game Over. And then how, long, we, how long was the set? Two hours. Two, two mm, yeah, a little, little. There's a curfew. So 11 o'clock is when they've shut it down. So Pasadena has a curfew. Most places do. They have a noise ordinance. Oh. That's, fuck, I'm sorry. You're yeah. You're in L.A., dude. It's yeah. Everything's by everything. Most arenas have a noise ordinance, so it, it doesn't matter. Fucking, it was amazing. Avenged Sevenfold killed it, and I missed the first half hour of Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, I missed a half hour of that fucking thing. Came back, and it was just as loud as Metallica was. Just thumping bass. So it gave it gave you a rocker boner. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I was I was fucking jazzed all night long. And I needed that trip. I absolutely needed to get the fuck out of Dodge for a while and just do nothing but enjoy the sights. I mean, I drove the whole way down. I drove the whole way back. I drove everywhere, you know. Everyone else just kind of relaxed and, and just did their thing. Yeah. Um, what's amazing is... How was the grapevine? <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Don't up, even get up me down started. fucking sucks either way. Hey. Don't, don't even get me started. With fucking grapevine. They fucking Dude, they have an IKEA at Grapevine. Serious? <laughs> yeah, they have an IKEA. You know the Grapevine is just a place, right? It's right. Just a at fucking the, mountain. No, the Grapevine isn't a mountain. The Grapevine is a place right before you go up the stretch. 
So it's just taken on the name called the grapevine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an Ikea there. <laughs> like, let me sum it up like this. Hey, I got a great idea for vacation there. Let's go to Harris Ranch. The best western at Harris Ranch. Or Lamore Hanford. Yeah, there it is. Let's go to the best western at Lamore Hanford and hang out by the pool. We'll, great, we'll have a great vacation there. Go down to Ikea, drive a couple hours at the Grapevine, come back to Tijon Ranch, whatever. <laughs> Dude. Ugh, I fucking hate the Grapevine. We, we, got out of, we got out of Sacramento. There's that... There's a certain, if you've ever driven five, there's a certain stretch of road that denotes when you get out of, it's like by Santa Nella, when you get out of uh, NorCal, if you want to call it that, it's the split before you go to San Francisco or to LA, right? Uh (laughs) And as soon as you make that turn and you're going south towards LA, okay, is when everything starts to turn, change. It just turns into a fucking flat land. There's yeah, nothing. You're on the five, yeah. So we stopped in Lamore Hanford because we needed drinks and stuff like that. And we needed to piss. I always consider Kalinga the like halfway point. Kalinga's not the halfway point. Oh, I always considered it. Okay. Well, you're wrong. Great for you. Panoche is the halfway point. It's because you went to LA. I, was, I always based it off me going to Pomona. It doesn't matter. Panoche is, the, is still the halfway point. Miles wise, because Pomona's another 45 miles away. But... Get out of the car, and it's hot. It is balls hot. It's it's fucking oppressive heat, and there's a hot wind blowing. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck you guys left in the middle of the afternoon. Because I couldn't. I had because I had there's there's a schedule I had to keep with. I got you. I couldn't leave earlier than whatever time I left. I got you. I got you. So, but yeah, it was hot as balls. Yeah, and. And you're in a black fucking car. Well, yeah, but that didn't. We had the air conditioner going the whole time. It still adds to it, though. It no, it doesn't. Good. Didn't affect anything. It was just that fucking hot wind, dude. Yeah. That sucked. It's like opening an oven and, and looking to check on the cookies. Yeah. When, when it's 110 degrees in your house. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Drive, 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 drive. <laughs> drive, 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 drive. Why the fuck are they performing in that heat? What? Why, are they, why don't they perform at like a better time of year? I don't know. Why don't you call Metallica and find Fucking out? Fucking pick the good seasons. You know I, what I mean? I don't know. Maybe because it's summer concert season and everybody's going to go. So they should do LA in May. Why the fuck would... What's the difference? May. And then go up to Washington and shit yeah. like that. Okay. Why don't you call Metallica's tour manager? I will be their fucking program... Their tour director. Great. Okay? Yeah. Playing it passing in fucking July. Wait, that's a fucking fail right there. That's awful. Oh, why? Because people spend more money in the heat. No, because you don't know how to fucking manage a tour. You couldn't. You couldn't manage a tour that that that, that con- a fucking show that huge. You couldn't manage a band like that. There's no way. I'm trying to think of something funny to say. It's just not going to be. Uh, you go see Paul this week, and then the next week you go. Yeah, I know. I know. You, they, you, they, I minimalized it. I know. I you'd know. Be, you'd be like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's all logistics, bro. There's there's a reason why, but anywho, drove all the way down to fucking L.A. Get into L.A. It was fine. You know what was nice about L.A.? It was like 85 degrees the whole time we were there. Okay, so even though it was hotter up here, Mm -hmm. it was cooler down there. Yeah. Okay. It felt like it was really hot though. It felt like it was like a hundred. Yeah. It was like humidity and stuff like that. Because it's by the ocean. Yeah. So you know, the show was amazing. 
the Pasadena, the, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena is amazing. You know, I, like I said, I've never been, so that that was an experience that I I truly loved. And then Sunday we drove we drove th- all through L.A. What? I thought I smelled like a fucking continuous fart or something. I don't know. It's gone now, but it was there for a few moments. It. All right, sorry. I don't mean to fucking you know. <laughs> drove through L.A. and uh, Griffith Observatory. Bubba wanted to see the Hollywood sign. He only saw half the Hollywood sign, so did he, he saw see Holly, Holly or he, Wood? He saw Holly, <laughs> and and uh, I went there and all I saw was Wood. Yeah, you get half. You get half now, half later. Yeah, and uh, so he saw, but he saw L.A. and fucking Burbank. Um, he saw the gas station where uh, Britney Spears had her meltdown, uh-huh. and uh, uh, a couple places where I lived over by. Uh, do you want Bob Hope's house? You want to know what the only memory I have of Hollywood is? No, not really. Back in '86, right before I had my appendix taken out, went down to Disneyland and we got to drive around, went to La Brea Tar Pit, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Finally, we were in Hollywood, and Hollywood is nothing like I thought it would be. It's like you know the fucking Southern girl that comes you know all the way over and thinking that oh I'm gonna step off and be a big movie star. It's nothing fucking like that. Hollywood is is shit. Right, I'm a little kid. I didn't. Don't say no shit. Yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. that. Not, I, I was I'm a little kid. Just, I'm, so I I'm get off, listening with. So we're driving through the the city, and I, you know, you get to see the fucking big overlay in in the, in the distance of the Hollywood sign. But the only thing I remember was a bus stop with the promotional poster for House Part Two, huh. the second story. That was it. That's <laughs> all I can remember of fucking Hollywood. Is that because that's the, around the time that movie came out? Right. Fucking that pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah, we, we drove around. We oh, don't the, remember the stars. You're lo- you'll love this. Yeah, Mark wanted to see Jimmy's house from Pulp Fiction. Don't fucking Jimmy me. Don't fucking Jimmy me. We went to the house and somebody had the wrong address. Uh huh. And so luckily we're on the same street. Yeah. It's on it's on the Craft Drive is where it's at. How annoying does it have to be for fucking residents <laughs> to constantly have. Someone. It's it's part of the game, man. Fuck. So I'm driving down the street and we get close to the house and this fucking bitch in a BMW because I'm I'm kind of I'm not stopped in the street yeah. I'm I'm pulled over and then I happen to be pulled over in front of her house yeah and she's just giving me the look and I yelled at her yeah. I'm like don't stare at me don't you dare stare at me <laughs> she's like don't you don't look at, don't you look at me <laughs> so I turned around. And Mark's like, it's this house right here. But they changed the numbers on the house on purpose. Yeah. I said, this is the house right here because we were looking at some of the pictures. Yeah. So we found Jimmy's house. That's awesome. Just imagine all the people that live in, in near houses that were, you know, special things were filmed at or actors have lived at. And imagine the stories that somebody could tell like, oh, fuck, one time this drunk gay guy showed up and goes, where's Andy Dick? Or something, you know, just. Okay. I just, I bet there's some stories that could. Be oh, told. there's definitely stories. The um, I, every time I'm or every time I would take um, the back way to Rodeo Drive. Yeah. So you go up Coldwater Canyon, right? So every time I would take that because it's over by Ed's house. I would drive by Ed's house, but if you do it right, you drive by the Brady house. <laughs> still in the same. It's still in the same spot. Yeah. Fuck. So. All right. Yeah, it's then in the Brady House is in Ventura. We've driven by it a couple of times. It's got a big wall up now. No, oh. but it's still the same house. That's so so cool. d- did that and uh, over by uh, there's a there's a street called Sherwood Forest. Okay. And um, that's where 
that's where that guy lived, the guy that wrote the Brady's. Yeah. Pretty much. And then uh, there's a bunch of others. Was he in an iron lung? I don't know. He was. He big, was that was a big Lebowski reference. Robin Hood, Sherwood Forest. <laughs> I uh, Lucy's house. Sense. Lucy's house is down that street. And ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, uh. So it, it's um. Oh, Ronald Reagan's house is in that area too. Was well, well, well. So I'm parched. We um. We didn't get that to that part. Yeah. We didn't get over there. Yeah, you weren't doing the full fucking stars tour. No, we weren't. But we were being tourists and just having a touristy good time. Louis C.K. fucked a stripper over here. Yeah, <laughs> that's where uh, that's where Eddie Murphy got the blowjob from the tranny. <laughs> Hugh Grantage. Yeah. So the next time we go down there, it'll be more. We'll take a little bit more time to uh, to to travel the area. I know the area relatively okay. Yeah. You know, it just. How long did you live down there? Years. It's like six, seven years. Oh yeah, that's that's usually good enough. So. Yeah. So. You had a great Metallica time. I had a dude. I, it's, you had a blast. I'm still recovering. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not still freaked out by it. I'm not one of those guys that needs like five days of recovery time. Yeah. My brother has isn't used to the lifestyle that I'm used to. Yeah. Which is, I would I would go until three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, get up, and then go to work. Ugh. All the time. Yeah. He's he's not used to that. So so like yesterday. He he needed that decompression time. I needed my decompression time for Sunday. So we got back Sunday. Yeah. But my decompression time consisted of me going out back, having cigarettes, and writing an entire brand new podcast show. Yeah, you fucking didn't even call me. You didn't call me till the next day. Yeah. I did it on purpose because I just... I The disconnect. You needed the disconnect. No, no. I just don't From like everything. you. Well, I, there could be that too, but no. <laughs> there's the, the overall disconnect. Like. I, I, I disconnected from life. I was I was concentrating on hanging out with Bubba and my brother uh-huh. and having a good time with them. Um, I got to go see my buddy Dave, you know, and just, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a complete disconnect. I, I didn't, I didn't even look at the blog. I didn't. I didn't bring a laptop. I was going to bring your laptop. Yeah. And I was going to do some stuff. And I decided, you know what? Fuck it. I I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to deal with anything. I still have podcasts. That I still have to post. <laughs> I have like two podcasts. But my point is, is that I this is a reset, and it made me realize what I missed. Yeah. I'm fucking done working for shit bags, you know. And and I'm I'm done with, you know. The, the the weird thinking going on, you know, that, that negative, the habits that we get into, yeah. you know, where we get used to these complacency. That's what it is. Yeah. Just get used to this complacency where, you know, oh, uh, I'll do it later. I'll do it. I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm done with that shit. And I needed this. I needed I needed a recalibration to to get back to this is what I'm going to do. And and like I said, get on the train and get out of the way. I, you know what? And look, I got my own things I got to deal with and I hate having a, a, a regret of lack of, uh, of effort kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, but it's funny cause there'll, there'll be, there's plenty of times where I'm experiencing the regret while I'm going through it. Right. Like instead of like afterwards, no, I, I'm actually seeing that I'm like, dude, why aren't you doing more right now? And I know, mm. I know exactly why you're not doing more. Oh, there, yeah, there's a lot of factors. There are, but there's one major factor, which is complacency. And it's it's not there's nothing wrong with it if that's the life you want to live. 
Yeah, if you want to smoke weed all day and fucking chill and you're not hurting anybody, yeah. who gives a shit or, if you're happy doing it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, replace weed with if you want to and you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. That's fine. That's that's but I'm talking about com- I'm talking about <coughs> complacency that you've learned from a young age. Okay? Yeah. And that complacency happens with Everybody, even me, even though I moved at a young age from Massachusetts to here, and then we moved again, and we moved again, and we yeah. moved again. It was never really s- sitting in one place too long. I've always been in Sacramento, man. Yeah. So what happens is when you grow up in a situation, and we'll take your situation as the example, okay? Because uh-huh. this is, it, it's a, it's, it's good. It'll be good. When you grow up in a situation such as you, when you have your grandmother and your mother, okay, uh-huh. and that's all you know, and those people, I'll, I'll take your grandmother out of this because she was a doer. Yeah. But when you learn your habits from people that are like your mother, nothing against her. No, no, fact is fact. But when you learn your habits from people like your mother who- Now, if you said lazy pieces of shit like that- then that's, yeah, that's kind of rude. But otherwise, when you're just stating actual fact, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, no, no. She, <laughs> your mom wasn't a lazy piece of shit. She was, she... She had her own habits and problems that she never got through. Yeah, you know, when, we don't need to get too deep into yeah. it. But she was not a doer. No. She she was, she's not a leader. She's a follower. She was a barely skate buyer. Yeah, you know, and she would have been happy working at Walmart for ten fifty an hour or whatever it was. Yeah, I, you know what? I, look... I have not learned ambition from my family. My grandma, yeah, my grandma was not ambitious. She was just, she believed in working. She came from a working family, believed in working for every, you know, earning everything you 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 have, right? And 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 take care of your family. Yeah, that was the top thing, you know. And she she did some stuff. She went to college a little bit and learned some stuff, but she still ended up, you know, with the with the safe jobs. Right. You know? She made a little more money than, than the average person, but still, it wasn't nothing to brag about. Right, you know? and you don't need to. As long as you're happy and content yeah. with that, then that's fine. Yeah, and, and that's and, what you want. And the and the role models in my life, the male role models, they they weren't really there. They were my uncles. Yeah, you know, my great uncle and my and my uncle Dan, and they weren't ambitious either. Right, they were very complacent in their own little situations in life. And those those are learned habits. Yeah, fucking this this ambition thing is a learned thing. Like I never wanted to get into auto sales. I was pushed into auto yeah, sales. Yeah, I didn't get a million dollar trust fund account when I was, you know, a little kid. Like, yeah, you know, Mr. Trump there. Yeah, I was. I was pushed into auto sales. <laughs> the, the small amount he said. But small I made amount. the worth of it. I, I made the most. I made. I made as much as I could out of it. Yeah. Because I fucking hated that, and I knew that I didn't want to be in there anyway. So every day I hated it from the get go. Uh, but that pushed me into learning the craft as it was because. The faster I could learn the craft, yeah. the better I could move on and and do something else. But that was with everything. It didn't matter. I mean, learn it, learn it, learn it, and then move on and do what you want. Yeah. But ambition is a motherfucker. It will destroy you or it will make you. That's why I have a respect for people with ambition because to a point, not not pieces of shit, but the the real go getters, the 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 you know, those ones, I respect them because I forgive this because it sounds like a defeatist statement, but they have something that I don't think I have that I've thought my most of my life that I don't have. You do. You just have to stop wallowing in your own misery. That's why I said defeatist. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have yeah. to stop wallowing in your own misery, and you have to finally you have to stand up and say, 
I've had enough. Yeah. I've had enough of this bullshit. I've had enough of living like this. I've had enough of dealing with this. I've had enough of whatever this is. Yeah. I fucking had it. I am going to change. I'm going I'm going to I'm going to do this right fucking now. You're going to procrastinate. Everyone does it. But the best way to get over procrastination is to sit down and go and do it one step at a time. Yeah. Okay, well, let's do this. I write a sentence or whatever. It yeah. doesn't matter. I, I, I edit a podcast or whatever, right? Yeah. That's how you defeat procrastination and build a habit and, you, and build good habits. And when it comes right down to it, in order to get out of any situation that you hate, there are, there's two ways to do it. There's calculated risk, and then there's jumping in and <laughs> fuck it all, right? Yeah. It's the fuck all. I'm going to do this, fuck it all. That's if like, I fail, I fail. That's the Jim Carrey approach where he fucking drove all the way from Canada in his beat-up car and drove all the way to L.A. to become a fucking star. And he was living out of his car forever. Yeah. And he just kept on pushing at the nightclub scene, you know, the stand-up. He's and, not and, the only one. And the auditioning. I, I'm just using him as an example because he's like, like the epitome of rags to riches right. kind of thing. And the effort. I've that, gone from rags <laughs> to riches. That drive, you know, that, what's the word of the day? Ambition. Ambition. So, But that's that's what every, I don't think that's what everybody needs because, again, there are some people that aren't, that are leaders. Yeah. There are some people that are followers. Yeah. And you need ditch diggers in this world. Yeah. But if you don't want to make anything of yourself, that's fine. That That's fine. But if you want to make something of yourself and you want to get out of this fucking dead end, <laughs> I, I, I want to take it to one more step before we stop. Go ahead. You know what bugs me the most about working for somebody? Yes, sir. No, sir. No. <laughs> it's this. It's this simple thing. And it, it caught up to me last night, which is, is it my Friday yet? We have become so conditioned that Friday is such an important day for our quote-unquote weekend. They even named a restaurant after it. Yeah. So Let's see. Let's talk about your flair. Yeah. Let's talk about the flair. <laughs> so a friend of mine posted, and this is, has nothing to do with her. It, just, it was the post that, that s- kind of set, set on me. Yeah. Which is, is it, is it my Friday yet? Is it Friday is the week when's the weekend here? Yeah, weekend, weekend, weekend. Gotta go out Friday and Saturday and party it off. Is it five o'clock already? Yeah, is it five o'clock? Can I get out of here? Someone feels like someone's got a case of the Mondays. Yeah, shut up, bitch. <laughs> so I saw that and I'm like, how depressing is our life? Yeah, when all we could do is, is it our Friday yet? When's my next day off? Because. That's depressing. Dude, it, because... It's fucking depressing. And that's how almost everyone in this country has been conditioned to be. Yeah. That's why I don't I don't believe in our work system. Look, work is good for you uh, to a point. Everyone should work. Yeah. But you... No you one, define your work, though. Yeah, but we don't get to enjoy life anymore. Now it's the, oh, we're going to save up 10 grand so we can go blow it all at Disneyland in three Dude, years. we live to work. We don't work to live. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. That's what I've been saying for a few years now is I don't like this work-based society we live in where that's you. everything's based around your job. Fuck that. It should not be that way. It, it, sh- 
It should. I know we, we don't live in the world of should and could, but you know we. we live yeah, in, the 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 reality is is that tough shit. Yeah. you don't get. You you can choose how you want to do it. You still have to work. That's why I don't get that pissed off when I find out about an employee at a fucking, you know, at a concert not doing their job properly because. Oh yeah. They're they're not given the incentive, even though they should never be rude to the customer. I, I see why. I see why. Depends on if the customer is rude to them. It's, but still, in general, if you're just being lazy at your fucking job. But I, I understand why now. People look. They want all this extra effort from us. They, the system. Okay, but okay, stop. I, know, I don't stop. want to get into fucking that. But it, it comes. It, who gives a shit about that stuff? What it comes down to is we have become so conditioned into. Is it my Friday yet? <laughs> Fuck that. Look, I want every day to be Friday. Yeah. Where is that selfish to to say to no, ask? No, I I but I don't want to work for anybody anymore. Yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to wear a fucking uniform. I don't care if they don't care about me. I don't care about them. If they're not going to put me ahead of everybody else and me being the worker, yeah. if they're not going to put the employees ahead of everybody else. Fuck you. If you're just going to take your fucking money and then you're going to divvy it up, you're going to put your shareholders first. Yeah. I'm sorry. You put you first and then your shareholders and then you're going to pay us shit wages. Fuck you. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. And and this leads into we are changing everything about this show. This show that we're doing, this movie review show, has become a burden (laughs) to me. Joe loves it, but. (sighs) To a point. (laughs) It's become a burden. It's not fun for me because. When Joe comes over, we have a conversation, and that conversation just ranges from whatever. And I, this, the light bulb went on when I drove down to L.A. with my brother, and we talked about everything, everything. We made fun of everything. Yeah, there was a lot of fucking bad words that were said, a lot, and we're you know a lot of racism and stuff did like that. Did you tell Bubba earmuffs plenty of times? No, we don't earmuff anybody. And that's bullshit. I've watched my mouth around him so many fucking times and you just just went to town. Yeah. You son of a bitch. So shit. <laughs> it's because we treat him like adults. I understand. And they understand the difference between being an adult and being a child. And we don't baby them. We never have uh, because it's honest. It's dishonest to treat kids like they're not important. You know? Yeah. Like- Regardless. The show is changing because we need to do something that is different for us. I mean, mentally for us, we need to do something that's different. There are so many movie review shows out there. We're still going to do the movie review, but we're going to do we're going to do it a bit different. We're going to we're going to come at these this whole new podcast and it's going to happen in about a month or so, but by the end of the month, we're going to sit down, we're going to hash out and refine this idea of the new show. And it's, and, and it's not, it's, I hated the idea of calling anything a podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I think the word is dumb. I like show. It's a show. It's a radio. It's a fucking internet show. I don't want to keep using this word, but the word podcast feels like it minimalizes what we're doing. Like, it's like you're grounding it to one thing. Like, yeah. One, it's like the niche thing. Oh, if you want to be successful, you have to niche. Yeah. No, I don't. You know why? Because everyone niches. No, it's not just that everyone niches. Look, that works for things like SEO. That works for things like, you know, yoga. 
Comic-Con? <laughs> yeah, that works for comics and whatever else. You're focusing on one thing. We are an entertainment show. We have a couple of average Joes. We have Cinescape. We have the movie trivia, which is a niche. We have this show sucks, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and we're just yapping into a microphone talking about movie reviews, and everybody else does it. Yeah. Because it's easy. That's why. It's yeah. easy. I'm done with easy, dude. I want fun. You know, everything you can do anything. Anything can be easy, but if it's easy, there's something wrong. And I've been um, unless, it's been bugging the shit out of me. Unless it's a movie that I'm very very excited about, I don't talk with as much passion about a movie that we see as when I'm talking about things that I grew up with. My nostalgia. That one I did on purpose. I know. <laughs> I just like when we were outside uh, in between shows. And I was talking about um, watching Lethal Weapon again for the first time in years and seeing things a little differently than I've seen them before. Right. I had more passion about that than I did about even talking about Atomic Blonde, which is a really good movie. It's yeah. good. It's well, very entertaining. But Here's the other thing. The show that we're going to be doing is going to be focusing more on the nostalgia side. Yeah. We are going to be talking about action and adventure and comedy and animation and all the shit that we love. The yeah. shit that we love. Just come along for the ride. Yeah. And then when we post it, we'll post the links to some of the stuff and and all the stupid pictures that we that I look up, I'll have on there. This is this is a show that we're going to change into. We want you involved, anyways. We've always wanted you guys involved, but you're not getting involved. Get involved. <laughs> Click. Stop being dicks. That fucking shit. Yeah. Get involved. Like it. Comment. If you don't like something, tell us. If, yeah. if I'm being a dick to Joe, say, hey, stop being a dick to if, Joe. If I'm breathing too heavily into yeah. the microphone, let me know. Say, goddamn mouth breather? Yeah. You sound like Fart Vader. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Or Girth Vader. Yeah, girth fucking, Vader. You fucking redneck mouth breather. Oh, oh, all I am. <laughs> oh, let me just slide it in. Oh. Oh. God. That's that's probably why we don't have any listeners because that would turn me off if I heard some fat guy breathing into my ears like that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, oh, what's da- what's David Stern talking about? Or <laughs> David Stern? <laughs> what's what's Howard? What's Howard Stern talking about? Fuck these guys. Yeah, let me turn on the Howard Stern. <laughs> what is, what is the, the thing that when people interrupt like radio shows and stuff for Howard Stern? Do they say Baba Lou or something? Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Okay. Baba Booey. <laughs> Baby bird. Yeah, that's like a baby. <gasps> Have you seen the baby? Uh, never mind. I'm not going to talk shit. Yeah. So anyways. I haven't earned it. <laughs> we we are moving in a new direction. We're going to talk about shit that we want to talk about. That you know we, We've done 240 episodes. And of just we're gonna, movie reviews. We're going to talk. We're finally just going to move into a show that we're going to talk about stuff that we love. And we hope it translates. Because it's just blech. <laughs> it's boring dude this is bo- the the re- reviews can be boring this one wasn't this one tonight was good but that's because we we made an effort to make it shorter although this has gone long yeah but we're it's possible that we could keep this under an hour and a half yes it's so, possible we're almost there so with that being said <laughs> so next up on uh Cinescape movie reviews until are we going to change the title uh, we're just gonna go with Cinescape Magazine Show or something like that. Cinescape Magazine Show or something the like Cinescape that. The Cinescape Magazine Movie Show. <laughs> Whatever we figure the out. Cinescape we'll Magazine. Po- I still like the Cinescape Magazine podcast. That actually sounds fine. CMP. Once Mike has made up his mind, we'll K O A J. 
Next one we're gonna we we gonna be talking about thirty seconds. We gonna be talking about the the tower, the dark tower, the dark tower. All right, with uh, Mr. Idris Elba and uh, Matthew. Hey, hey, hey! All right, all right, all right. So, say la vie. They stay the same age. I keep getting older, and I keep masturbating. Say la vie. Adios.